Mind the Head with Paul Flaherty, a weekly show that focuses on mental health and well-being. Sundays on Lockray Community Radio, brought to you by Dignity Funeral Care, funeral directors caring for your peace of mind. Hello and you're very welcome along to today's episode of Mind the Head here on Lockray Community Radio with me, Paul Flaherty. This show is very kindly brought to you by Dignity Funeral Care, dignityfuneralcare.ie for more information. Mind the Head is your weekly mental health and well-being show where I meet a variety of guests, some that are experts in their field and sometimes by guests that have overcome adversity and achieved personal challenges. Today's guest has written a book about her long journey of self-discovery, which is called Taking Flight, The Cage Bird, One Woman's Story of a Life Awakening. She also presents a show on Dublin City FM called Conscious Living. I'm delighted to speak today with Liz Dillon. Hello, Liz. Welcome to the show. Paul, I'm delighted. I'm delighted to be at the other part of the interview because I am being interviewed rather than I am interviewing. It's a lovely feeling. It's a nice change for you. Very good. Um, Liz, my question to you today, first of all, is going to be, how's the head? The head is really good. I mean, the work that I've been quietly doing on myself over the years has meant that I have now come to a place of peace in my life that I never thought I'd ever experience. Because like I say there in the start, you've written a book about your long journey of self-discovery. So when we say long, I mean, am I allowed to ask you how long did that journey take? Well, it's still ongoing and I'm 71 now. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> like it'll always be ongoing. Yeah. Because you will, you, it's almost like you're, you're digging deeper and deeper and you really realize how extraordinary the soul is, how extraordinary the essence of who you are. And it'll, oh, I continue to grow. And I love that because we're all human and we'll all go through little blips here, there and everywhere. But I find that the more I become aware of who I really am, the less control the blips have over me. And so, that's a very different place. Yeah. I mean, I suppose really we need to kind of go back a bit, don't we, and kind of maybe start at the very, very beginning. You see, the way I look at it now is this, and all the roles I took have led me to this, is that we are all spiritual beings in a physical body. And the essence of who I am is connected to all the rays, call it God, call it whatever. It's like the sun and its light. We are that light, the ocean and the wave. We're connected. We're not one and we're not two. That to me, that realization, I used to know it in my head, but when I felt it in my body, that released so much that I didn't become controlled by things that had happened in my life. And I've had many, many roles, but I don't identify with any one of them now. So every last one of them was important for my growth. Every last one of them has been so amazing to show me another part of myself, another side of myself, and especially working with children. That was the most magical part of it. But I, I started out my life as the fourth girl born on a farm that had been in the family for a couple of hundred years. And you can imagine the disappointment. Like my grandmother actually sent a letter condolences. Can you imagine? <sighs> Which is a great sorrow. <laughs> I've heard of the birth of your daughter, Elizabeth. You oh, know, no. yeah. please God, you'll have a son as soon as possible. So the two boys, thankfully, were born afterwards. But 
What I didn't realize, but I now realize, was the impact of being told that story. And if I spent a year to UCD and do a degree when I got married, then when my first baby was born, I went and did a course in Carysburg to be a primary teacher. Then I did that for a little while and I quit it and I had run my own preschool for 14 years. And then I went back into teaching again in a disadvantaged area. So every one of those roles were all done out of, I showed them, I am good enough. So I was constantly trying to prove that I was good enough, constantly looking for other people's approval, constantly pleasing people, not able to say no. And I realized it came from what I call now is the good child syndrome, Mm. where we train our kids to be good kids, where we praise their personalities rather than their achievements. And when you praise the personality, then the child gets locked into being that good child. So you do what other people want of you. You do what other people expect of you. And I was completely locked into that. But I had to come out of it because when my children were teenage years, I saw I was trying to make them into minions. I wanted them to live within the construct of what I felt kept me safe. And I wanted to keep them safe. But what I was basically doing was flipping their wings. Go on, please your grandmother, please this one, please that one, please your teacher, please everybody. And of course, neither they've been teenagers, they fought her. But my husband, their dad, had returned to university. So I started doing reading and doing workshops on personal development. But I thought I was going to learn how to be assertive with my kids. So I was going to be able to tell them what to do. But what I discovered was through working with a a wonderful spiritual teacher, Paddy McMahon, he handed me a book, Awareness by Anthony DeMello. And I discovered that the one that needed changing was me. For the mess that I was, and I said, I can't have that. So I took the emphasis off them and I began working on me. So one of the things in the book that said, that made horse sense to me, was that if I am reacting to any situation, then I am the one with the problem because another person down the road wouldn't be reacting. So why am I reacting? So I began to see that if I could observe my reaction, then I begin to see what was controlling me. Mm-hmm. So then I began to see, oh my God, I'm afraid of upsetting this one. So therefore I'm doing what they want rather than what I want even though I know that what I want is very important. So what I was doing was I was negating all my feelings until I was numb. But the penny dropped. As long as I was negating my feelings, I'd never be able to understand my children's feelings. Hmm. So I would block out their emotions. Unwittingly, I didn't mean to do it, but I was doing it. I couldn't handle their emotions because I couldn't handle my own. So I had to learn how to do that. Yeah. I was going to kind of you ask, know? yeah, I was going to ask Liz about kind of the realization then of all that. I mean, the shock of it. Yeah, the, well, the shock of it. Yeah. I mean, how, how did you feel? How did I feel? I took myself off to Ackill Island to play and digest it. Yeah. And it was a shock thing because I remember somebody saying to me, oh, and you were let go. 
And I thought, what did it mean when I let go? I just needed to go and walk the beach and breathe. I actually panicked when I realised how much of my life had been controlled by everybody. But to see, the thing is, that's where I, we were caught because you blame other people for controlling mm. you. But it's only, they can only control you if you allow it. Exactly, yeah. But because I'm addicted to approval and I'm an approval junkie, but a hold on you, what people say. So I began working with saying no to individuals that were outside the family, further afield. So I could practice. Everybody thought that was great until I brought it home. Until I started coming, getting enough courage to bring it closer to and be able to say, no, I don't actually want to do that. That's not, you know, what I'd like to do. Or be able to say yes to something that I would never have said yes to before. So the degree to which I couldn't say no was also the degree to which I couldn't say yes. So I couldn't go out and do things where I felt free to enjoy myself because that part of me was gone because it had I, I lost the ability to enjoy myself. I lost the ability to be free. I am remember sitting at the table looking at the kids and thinking, I can't remember when I did that. Yeah. I actually can't remember when I actually truly laughed. That's a scary, you know, thought, isn't it? Like it was, it was really scary. Yeah. But the thing is, I was also thinking because I didn't respect me enough at that time, or love me enough at that time to do it for me. But I looked at my kids and said, "I do not want them to repeat this pattern." I don't want their lives caught up in this thing. I want them to be able. See, I wanted them to grow up to be independent, but how could they be independent when I kept pulling them back in? Mm -hmm. How could they go into their own lives? How could they be individuals? How could they actually find out what their talents were? You see, I was doing the teaching the this, the that, and the other, all because I was pleasing husband, I was pleasing mother-in-law, I was pleasing everything. I didn't choose any of those. And yet, I ended up coming back into teaching. I I broke ranks by doing the preschool. was because other people said, oh, this would be an insurance policy. This will make sure this, this will give you that. None of it was because I felt, you know, this is what I really want to do. Mm. And when you got to but that stage when you were able to do what exactly you wanted to do, I mean, did you feel as, as though, you, as did you feel how you were thinking you were going to feel? If you know what I mean? No, no, yeah. I had no idea because one, I didn't even know how to buy clothes that suited me because I had actually gone into nearly dressing the way would be conservative, would be this, because that would fit what suited around or what other people were comfortable. So I remember standing in a shop with my daughter and saying, I don't even know what to buy. I wouldn't even know which section. Because you were all the time buying this conservative thing. Mm -hmm. I was in tweed suits of Turkey. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think back over it now and I think it's mental. Yeah. Yeah. It's mental. I look back now and I, it's a, every holiday was a caravan holiday where I just moved one kitchen. Yeah. You just went from one to the next. Do you know what I mean? And I really broke ranks the day I said I wasn't doing another caravan holiday. 
not with teenagers. Can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine? Especially if it was a wet day, I can well imagine. A wet day yeah. with teenagers in a caravan, <laughs> all nice and cozy. Oh my God. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, it's out. So that learning how to say, just what I was doing was beginning to find the voice I'd lost. You see, you go through years and years and years and you don't see it. It's insidious yeah. how you begin to lose your voice. And then one day it's the realization of it. But your own kids or wherever you are, it's your relationships that will show you where you're at. Mm. Because it'll be the relationships that challenge you. They're the ones that show you where you're stuck. They're the ones that bring up the fear, the anxiety, the sense of being controlled. It's respectful of the other person. But on the other hand, I will do not want them to feel they can control me. But I still want to be able to do it while I'm respecting the other. I'm also respecting me. Yeah. Was that yeah. day that you remember that you never hadn't, hadn't laughed for ages? Was that the day you had the realization that something needed to change? Or was there another point where you said, OK, things need to change? Well, I came home one day to find my daughter cooking dinner and creating the exact same dinner I would when I went back and I came back. And I just said, ah, I see now where our kids follow our patterns. And she's taking responsibility for this. She was fantastic. Like, as you could say, normal people would probably say, isn't it brilliant? She's 14. She's able to cook a chicken. She was able to do this. She's able to do that. She's brilliant. Isn't it? Yeah, but the other aspect of it was she had taken on the responsibility. She had sort of felt she should do this in this particular way. I want her to do it because she wants to do it because she loves doing it. I don't want to do it or to do it because she feels she's the only one that can do it. And she's doing it to please me and please everybody else, mm-hmm. but not as a sense of achievement for herself. Mm-hmm. I learned that when you praise the personality of a child, they can get caught in that. And, you know, I kept praising my kids for being good kids. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're good kids. You're really good kids. You're all whatever be. Instead of when you praise their achievements and the stuff, they grow in confidence. The other is getting them locked in. Mm-hmm. Like praise can be toxic too. Yeah. It can be very controlling. Because you know yourself, if somebody's praising you for something, whatever, be jeepers, I can't say no to that person because here they are, they're taking this, that or the other. Even as an adult, you can see that. Yeah. It feels as though that they couldn't have said no to anyone, can't say no to anyone at the moment. Oh, you, know? you begin small. Yeah. And you begin where you feel you have some chance of success. And in actual fact, I didn't have the language around saying no. So what I would do before, I'd be working on it for a few days. And then I would then have the language that I needed. Now, I learned one thing from a lady in a workshop, Janet Zahafi, years ago. And she said, what happens to people, and certainly what happened to me was, when you begin to say no, you start to justify yourself. And when you're saying no to somebody who's used to you always being there, 
like, I mean, you think you need a discipline or something because, like, why in God's name are you doing that now? Because you never did it before. Mm. So they want to bring you back to the way that you were. And you're floundering trying to defend the fact that you want to do something different or whatever it be. So you start justifying, defending yourself and doing all this. And before you know where you are, you're apologizing for the fact that you inconvenience the other individual and you're back to square one. Mm-hmm. But she said to me one thing, you say what it is you would like to do. And then you're like a broken record. It's the way I feel. It's what I would like to do. You don't explain it, you don't justify it, you don't do nothing. This is something that's important to you. So therefore, you're not going to be like constantly trying to defend yourself because you end up by apologizing and you wonder, how did I get to that? How in God's name did I get to apologizing for this when I wasn't responsible for it? Mm-hmm. When it had nothing to do with me. And here I am saying, I'm sorry for a Yeah, yeah. It was madness. Yeah. But you see, we grew up, that's how what we were taught to do. Yeah. I think this should be taught. I think this... I was using the same thing, the good time, the this, the that, the good time got praised on Fridays and everything, and they got locked into it. I started out that way. I didn't finish off that way because they just showed me that I needed to find a voice for them. And every time I found a voice for them, I was finding a voice for the small child inside. The kids brought me back to laugh. Yeah. Speaking of of the kids there, I mean, that um, period of your life when you were a deputy principal, I mean, you said it's, it was a fantastic part of your life. Yeah, it was. I yeah. was working in a dish school in Lachlanstown and I absolutely loved working with the kids because they challenged you. Yeah. You're a loop or miss. I know, but you're on your loop. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you're brilliant because... They're so honest. But the other thing, too, is if they weren't interested in learning something, see, kids are no different to us. They learn from things that have interest to them. Right? We're the same. Like, I had no interest in learning about computers until I needed to realize, because my kids have emigrated. You know, the kids are no different. So when you align what you want to teach them, it's something of interest to them, they will get it. I remember a little lad now didn't want to leave. And there's no budget or whatever. He had no interest in it, right? And then I got the bright idea. I said, you're a brilliant little footballer and your dream is to play for Man United. I knew that might never happen, but it didn't matter. Well, what happens if you get a contract that you have to sign and you can't read it and you get less money than Messi? Mm-hmm. Well, he read he, within three weeks, that kid was reading. Because, you see, he had a purpose for what he was doing. Yeah. That's a brilliant story. I wanted them to sing. We were doing stuff on 1960, so I wanted them to sing that song, Grace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And before the matches, they sing Grace. Yeah. <laughs> they sang like canaries. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So they're no different. Kids, if you align what it is that you want, that to something that's of interest to them. You can teach them anything, but also it makes 
my experience of teaching them more joyful and their experience of learning more joyful. So like I was learning about me through them mm-hmm. and they were learning through me. So I realized there's no hierarchy here because they're showing me the child and the child like home I've lost because their light and their sheer um, exuberance for life. They showed me I'd lost all of that. So I had to come back and redeem it by doing certain things with them. On Fridays, whether they behaved or didn't behave, I put up the shuffle. You know, everyone's shuffling, shuffling that song, that dance. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. amazing. Yeah. So they decided to teach me how to do it and realized I was taking the next leg. And they <laughs> lost the fact I couldn't get it. Do you know what I mean? Because suddenly here they are teaching me. Yeah. And it's that gorgeous exchange that you have, which meant that I just loved being with them. Do you miss it? I I miss the children, mm. but I wouldn't miss the system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the, close over that door and be with the kids and learn and do and stuff. And we created a school garden at one stage and oh, with a howl really in that garden, the way they doing shock and dirty work, you know. Uh, but we loved it and we won prizes for it. But you see, the thing is, it was experiential learning. The kids were able to learn. See, we'd go up and we'd work in the garden, we'd do the stuff or whatever it be, and then we'd talk about it, then they'd write about it. It was effortless then. Now, you've, you also, you've also done some travelling, Liz. I mean, you facilitated um, retreats in the Notre Dame University in the US, and you've also been over to Auckland in New Zealand as well. And actually, when I read the book Awareness and Anthony Domingo's book Awareness, I got so fascinated with God. You know, he gave me a shovel and spade to dig. I knew... See, all the time you're looking out there for other people to change so that you'll be happy. Mm. And all that changed the way he said, no, it's the other way around. You get rid of some of those beliefs that are not anything at all. They were just put there. You get those beliefs about not being good enough as a girl or anything. And you, when you let them all go, you free yourself up to enjoy life. And the other thing, too, is you're so free within yourself, you leave other people free to live their lives the way they want to. You're not interfering in them. And so, like with that, I did some courses on it here and there. I read more about it. And then I met up with the director of the Anthony DeMello in India. And he saw what I was doing. He saw, he said, Tony DeMello said, if if three people in a thousand do this work, he'd be surprised. So he saw that I was putting this into ordinary daily living. So if a kid acting up in the classroom, I didn't look to the kid to punish him. I looked and see what is he triggering in me? Why is it I am so upset about this? And then it would be because maybe the principal will find out I'm not a good enough teacher. Once I got that out of the way, I was able to correct the child in a way that was respectful of the child and do it in a way that the child could accept it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Rather than judgmental or anything. So 
then uh, I was asked then to go times a year out there to the Saddam Institute in India. And then from there, uh, when I was in Auckland, my sister lived in Auckland at the time. She has since died. Um, she set it up in the Theosophical Society in Auckland that I would teach it there. And that's a wonderful experience. But Notre Dame was also a wonderful experience because it was the rector of Notre Dame that asked me. And he, we've become great friends since he was, he's since moved to Portland. Uh, and again, it was just teaching the practicalities of awareness, how you can bring this into your ordinary everyday living. And that was, and that's it. It's in your relationships, you'll see it. And the most important thing to ask the question is, what are they stirring? Like, why, where do I feel controlled or upset? What have they upset inside me? What does it remind me of? And then you'll see, a mem- maybe a memory comes back and you'll see you were a little kid when you couldn't open your mouth and say anything. But you're an adult now, you can't. Mm. So you can actually turn around and say to somebody, I remember saying to another teacher, I would prefer that you don't come into my classroom and shout at my children. So the principal came out and said, what in God's name did you say to so-and-so? She's been resuscitated on tea. You know, but I just, I would never have been able to do that before. Mm. But, you know, and I just said, no, no, you don't, you don't do this. Mm -hmm. Well, the kids, they, they were in the background. They knew something had happened. And they were able to, you know, what the kids were noticing. You see, they have all these worksheets and things for social and personal development. Well, children learn from looking at you. Yeah. They don't learn from looking at a worksheet. They don't learn from anything you say. The children learn from looking at you. Mm-hmm. And how you behave towards them or react to the actual praise. But because it was inferred, she didn't understand it. So I asked her did she feel upset by what I said? And she explained. And I said, oh, my goodness, I would never mean that. This is what I meant. And I really, really am sorry. But what surprised me was another time. He said, teachers don't ever apologize. And I thought, what? I said, but how are you going to learn how to apologize if I don't apologize to you? Mm-hmm. So to me, social and personal development was Every moment of every day, let the kids see how you show up and work it that way. And for the parents of the community, let them see how you respect them. Let them see how you listen to them. And and it's sort of pathway to the day called. And the freedom of that is wonderful. Yeah. Those kids, yeah, those kids must have been very fortunate to have you as a teacher because from the sounds of it, like you really instilled some kind of good life practices that hopefully they've been able to carry with them. I remember one little one, she, well, she was no longer little, she was at the back age and she said, she'll roar in, do them kids still love you? I said, I'm not so sure, but I still love them uh. kids. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, oh my God, that's so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. You know. But I really, all this work that I did, you see, when when your body is in pain, when you still are holding on to a lot of emotional pain, you can't help, you see life through the lens of that pain. 
But when you shift your perception, you change the lens. Yeah. You change how you see life. You change how you see the children's behaviors because you go to find out what's behind the behavior rather than attack the behavior. And when you begin to understand, you can help the child alter the behavior, but it's through understanding you'll do it. But but the kids, by really working companion or the challenges I felt were overwhelming. I began to have a, a lot, the more I had compassion for me, the more I could have compassion for them. Can I ask, yeah, yeah, can I ask you, when you look back at yourself and the way you used to be and the way you are now, yeah, what do you, what do you think? Oh my God, I can look back and if I could just wrap her up in my arms and say it's all okay. Yeah. And just who you are is beautiful. Yeah. But she wouldn't have been able to hear that. She wouldn't have been able to hear that. She was too broken. Mm. You know, and I wanted to cocoon my kids from the pain that I had experienced. So you were doing too much. And what I was doing, and this I think is very important for parents, for teachers. The more you do for children, the more dependent you make them. The more dependent you make them, the more frustrated they get, the angry they get, because they feel they're Inside, like me, inside me, I had all this ability and couldn't use it because I'm being smothered and being tended. That the more I worked on me, the more I could loosen the reins. The more they loosen the reins, the stronger they got, the more skills they got, the freer they got, the happier they got. It, it worked a different way. We do not serve our children by making them dependent. We serve them by getting them to learn as many skills as possible and letting them use those skills. Because if you look at a child who's doing something and a parent jumps in to help them out, what they're basically saying to them and they don't realize it is, I don't think you can do this. Now, what you don't realize the messages you're getting. Mm -hmm. But if a kid is let just make this thing and do this thing and create their own imagination, you know, develop their imagination, develop their skill, let them have that ability, trust that they're going to get there. I wanted them to sing their own song. But how could they sing their own song if I'm asking them to sing mine? Mm. Yeah. You know? But they are singing their own song. Now, Liz, your book, Taking Flight, The Cage Bird, tell us how did that come about? It, I resisted doing it for a good seven years. But Was it I that somebody had asked you to do it or did you have it in your head and you just kind of put it off? I had it in my head that if I could write a book on awareness and maybe how I could see it and what I could do about it. Um, if I could do it and put it into ordinary layman's terms, that it would greatly benefit people. And I, that's what I did. And I was lucky in that I got PJ Cunningham and Baldwin Press to publish it for me, you know. And PJ was great and he was wonderful at giving his advice and, and that but like within it are let's say the stories 
the stories of where I was able to see something and then what I was able to do and take the steps to do from there. But, um, yeah, it's... I do feel many have come back to me and said, I cannot thank you enough because I had that locked-in syndrome that you had to. You were locked into how you were pleasing everybody but pleasing nobody. Because you could never please another. You, you will not please another person if you don't wish to be pleased. Mm. It's such a, you know, it's such a waste of wonderful talent. Because happy people spread their happiness, you know. Unhappy people easily spread their unhappiness. Oh, that woman. I am 80% happy, but that woman, I am not changing for her, she said. Why should I change? Because I am a nice person for her. And I thought, that's the rock to perish on mm-hmm. He'll always be sitting there complaining about her. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do about it? Like, you know, are you going to quietly say something if something is out of order? Or are you going to say this situation is too toxic and let's find something else? Mm-hmm. But the choice is always yours. So the book so is we kind of realize a, we had choice. Yeah. So the book is kind of it's also it's your story, but it's also I suppose that you could read that and maybe take from it. Oh yeah. It know. may be my story, but I, I put into it the steps that I needed to take each time so that you the the learning lesson at the end of every chapter. What did yeah. I learn here? What is in it? Do you know what I mean? I have it there so you can learn from it. You can learn how to take it. But all the the inner freedom you have is, it's its actually all oh, your joy of life, your joy of simple things. And the fact that you can laugh, belly laugh again. Mm-hmm. You mentioned their inner freedom. Why do you think that we kind of just deny ourselves that inner freedom? It's just a, it's a mental construct that we have. Yeah. I think we don't realize, I don't think... I never realized that I wasn't free. I used to imagine I was free. Yeah. No, I didn't. I manipulated. I was passive aggressive. I found ways around things. But I didn't realize I hadn't the freedom to just be. I, it, it was a total unawareness of my lack of freedom. It's funny when I saw it, when I read about it, and when I read about it, see, I was getting upset every day of the week. I had it all, all this stuff in me. They're not something that's coming from your own experience. Because when it comes from your own experience, you won't have somebody being able to dictate to you if it comes from your own experience. Mm. But if you have unidentified beliefs that have been handed down, you know, you don't realize where to look for them. But you see, when I realized I, through my reactions, I could find them. I wanted to find the pestilence that's on us. Okay, let, let them go, let them out. You know? And it was in that hole that I, I, I just was so determined. And I knew I didn't have to do another thing around my kids because as they were watching me, I was watching them make decisions. It all changed. Everything changed. 
the one that was quietly heading towards being a good child, well, all of them were, she was the first to break ranks and head to Japan for two years. And with that then came, her brother headed to Auckland. My daughter, daughter went to Melbourne. And the last last year I said, oh, she's going to stay at home because she has two dogs, herself and her partner. Not at all, they're in Toronto, we'll put them in the plane. And that's, you know, that's because they wanted to do that. It wasn't that they were... Absolutely, yeah. because they wanted to explore life. They yeah. wanted to explore their lives. Yeah. You know. And, and see, this is it. Like, you have one life ball. How do you want to explore it? Like, there's a vast possibility within you. But we don't see the possibilities because we are caught within these beliefs and stuff that we have that limit us. But there's this ocean of possibility. And when you realize, hang on a minute, this is my life. What do I want to do with it? Mm. Then it changes everything. And it may be that you just, whatever it is that resonates. And when it resonates with you and you're, content within that, it's not coming from a selfishness of, I can do what I want, I can do it. It's not coming from that space. It's coming from a loving space. So when it comes from a loving space, how you relate to other people will come from a loving space. And of course, you're the only person that Mm. can do all of that. Yeah. So it has to come from you first. It had to come from me first, yeah. yeah. And And like it was such one, it was an eye-opener, and it was shocking, and it was frightening. But, like, it was an excited frightening. Behind the frightening was also, dear God, I now know where to look. I now know where to look, whereas before I didn't. Before I'm searching outside of myself all the time. But it's never outside you. It's always inside you. If anyone's listening, that's kind of that's really looking to kind of get that, you know, inner freedom we talked about. Like, I mean, what would be kind of some of maybe the practical things that you could maybe do to help somebody? Well, you could read that book. Yeah, huge word. That'd be one because you get and I. What you're doing is you're getting the essence of how it works, and it's it's not. A, you know where people would say. Oh, you put holes in front of you, whatever. Yeah, that's true, and you can do these things. But if you do these things without an awareness of what's going on, or if you're doing these things, like I set goals and did stuff and did all these amazing things, but there were always to prove to somebody else how it was that I could do this. Mm-hmm. But there was no inner freedom in that one. I'd like to think I would do it now because of the joy of doing it. And because I love, this is something I really want to do and it's the joy of doing it. Rather than trying to cure all of God, there is not one of us that isn't good enough. We don't have to fix a thing. We only have to let go of stuff that was programmed into us. And it is a program. So if you think about it, if you were running your life on the program you learned as a child, would any one of us use Windows 98 today? Mm. Then why are we using the old programs? Mm. 
I mean, when he put it down in that practical way, and I saw it is only a program. How can I delete this program? And I'll delete the program by beginning to do little things, new little things, new little things that I wouldn't have done before. You know, mm-hmm. do little things that bring me joy. Take a little bit of time out for me that I never did before. Experiment with little things and just say, oh, this is something I wanted to do, but I never, ever gave myself a chance to do it. And if people, like I remember one lady was, she was at a workshop that I was giving at the time and she said, oh my God, I never realized we lived our lives, her seven or sister were there. So she decided then, she was at work constantly rescuing people. Not alone was she doing her work, but she was doing the work of other people because she was afraid they'd get into trouble because, you know, their work wasn't done. But they were going home at the correct time and she was staying behind in order to complete her work. So when she began to say no, her boss said to her, Are you sickening for something? Do you need a discipline or anything? Like there's something wrong with you because you're normally a nice person. Mm. She was a nice person as long as she remained a dog's body. But the minute she said, hang on a minute, I need to mind me here. Why am I doing the work of other people? Why am I rescuing them all the time? Mm-hmm. When she saw it, the minute she saw it, she said, this makes sense. But she wasn't being disrespectful. She told me, junkie. Yeah. You're perishing inside. Yeah. I swear to God, the palpitations. Yeah. And I began to say no first, the palpitations. Oh, you know. Yeah. You really wonder if the world is going to come and collapse on top of you because you said no to somebody that you're normally, normally controlled by. Yeah. But you're not saying no because you don't want to help them or you have no interest in that no. person. You're saying no, no because not. for you, it feels like it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. Yeah. It's not no for the sake of no. Yeah. It's no in certain times. Like, say somebody's constantly... I remember I used to do a lot of sewing for the kids. So people would come and say, oh, would you ever stitch that? Sure, it's great. You're very good at that, whatever it be. Just because you're good with me. But then ultimately I said, but I haven't the time to do yours. Yeah. Oh, God. And to think I thought you would. Now what am I going to do? Yeah. Well, you bloody well get somebody else to do yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Bring it down to one of these places where you can pay them. Yeah. You know. It was, these, it was these simple everyday things, Paul. I'm not talking about huge things. I'm just talking about these simple everyday where people learn that you're in need. See, the thing is, the thing is, because you need approval, givers need takers. Mm-hmm. And takers will always find givers. Givers need takers because they need to feel good feeling that they get their approval. And takers will always find givers. So the thing is, there are only two polarities of the thing. Maybe the taker needs to learn how to sew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Now, you know what I mean? Yeah. Not, yeah. Yeah. If there are only two polarities, and each one of them, you know, like people used to talk about praise the good kid in the school, and then there was the noisy kid. But both of those kids were coming from an emotional imbalance. Whether it's the kid who's fighting and being noisy, they want to be heard. And the good child does what they're doing, child, by really listening to them, finding out what's behind all this, and then dealing with that. 
but also being able to say, listen, no further do you go because you're not allowed to hurt another child. But you do it in a way where you listen to that child. There are only polarities, these two. Mm. But I learned all that. The more I learned about me, the more I could see it out there with the kids. You know? Now, you mentioned there um, something about finding joy in something that you do. Me, personally, I get a lot of joy from doing this show. But you also have your own show on Dublin City FM, which is called The Conscious Living Show. And maybe tell us a little bit about that, please, Liz. Oh, I absolutely love it. Because what I'm looking for are people who have maybe come through something or done something in their life in to see how we can find the gift in the challenge or, you know, a way of approaching life or a way of identifying beliefs or, you know what I mean, all the time. It's just to allow somebody to tell their story that perhaps it gives a change of perception or a change of a new lens to somebody who's listening you know, and I mean, there've been so many people on, whether it be even about uh, climate change or whether it's about somebody who's over, who has severe disability to somebody who's mentoring people, coaching people. But the whole idea is just listen and see, or maybe you can hear something that helps you open your mind just a new way of looking at your own life. So it's not necessarily about me or the other person. It's about how does this resonate with you? I mean, even down to we had somebody who is an animal healer. And it's fascinating something that's bigger that's out there Mm -hmm. that maybe resonate. Maybe you can choose then to do something or change something in in your own life. So, yeah, I love doing it. I've met so many interesting people, and I'm sure you have too. Yeah. Can I yeah. ask, how did you get into um, radio? Dublin City FM. Yeah, Dublin City FM, yeah. Well, Victoria Mary Clark, you know, Shane McGowan's wife, was interviewing me about Cage Bird. And at the end, of she was there with the sound recorders, and she said, did you ever consider doing this? Because you're such a natural for radio. I'd never even thought about it. And so I gave it thought and I thought, and she said, well, go to McCandley in Dublin City FM and just go and give them a proposal as to what you might choose to do. So I said, I have no idea as anybody interested in conscious living. Is, are they interested? Like conscious living, I've had conscious parenting people, on, like, you know, so many different things. And Mick said, if you go for 13 weeks, and see can you get somebody for that and we'll see at the end of that that's nearly three years ago now wow yeah 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 so i love it it's a volunteer thing yeah but like it allows me volunteer but it allows me to share this type of insight mm-hmm. into life and living it, it, allows, it gives me a platform mm-hmm. for sharing what other people know and understand or what i know and understand stand because it's like a conversation thing. Mm-hmm. so yeah I love it I mean I shouldn't really ask this but I'm going to ask have you have is there a favorite guest you've had on 
oh, I've had many things. Or perhaps maybe a really inspirational one that you might have had on that springs to mind. Well, this Jack Kavanagh. You oh, know Jack? Yes, yeah. But on the show here as well, yeah. Oh, Jack is something else, isn't mm. he? Doesn't mean to say he doesn't have his down days or doesn't mean to say he doesn't have anything. But his, and at the moment now, he's really doing so much. Mm-hmm. And he is only 15% muscle, muscle use. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You know, there's people, gosh, you know, I was interviewing uh, Breda McKay and talk about it. Mother of God, she did a lot of like the things that she's done in her life, but how she too inspires people. Dudley Stewart, um, like he was the one that had come back from Bangladesh where he had set up projects for wind energy and everything. And now he's forming the Tala grid where they have set up a grid in Tala for solar energy mm-hmm. and houses. And the work that he's doing is phenomenal. I mean, I God, there's just so many people I'm Anne Mangan on careers, on teams. My goodness, if anybody's looking for somebody to guide them as to what courses are suitable for young teens going into college. It, fascinating stuff. Fascinating stuff. Yvonne Smith on conscious parenting. Fascinating. They're like just, oh, I regret now that it's over three years now that you don't. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's just the fascination of the work these people are doing out there. Liam Ryan, who 5% chance of living with the type of cancer he got. You ever get Liam talking about it? Incredible resilience, incredible insight. He shares his journey that can only help people. You know, uh, oh, yeah, amazing. Well, hopefully, plenty more years to come, Liz. On the yes. Conscious Living Show. Um, we're nearly out of time, Liz, on today's show, but um, where can people get your book? If they write to lizdillon at gmail.com. Okay. Perfect. Yes, it's perfect. You see, it's actually perfect because, you see, there's football, and if you're not interested in football, you might be interested in Conscious Living. <laughs> <laughs> Saturday afternoon's football. <laughs> yeah. Oh, bless. Um, yeah. Liz, it's been really insightful talking to you today and um, thank you so much for taking the time out to come on to the show. I've really, really enjoyed meeting with you. Oh, it's a total pleasure, so it is. It's such a wonderful, it's such a wonderful thing to share. Mm. But I'd love to share it in a way that people can just quietly take what they want from it Mm -hmm. in their own time because there's no hurry on growth. Yeah, there's no time span or anything you can take. No, there's no time span. As little or as long as you need, yeah. Little as long as you need. Brilliant. There's no, you just do it in your own time. And you do it in a way, because I now know that if I had done all of this in a much faster way, it would have been, if if I was hit by something that said, okay, now you're going from there to there in two days or three days, it would have been far too destructive for family. It would have been far too destructive in the life. Whereas do it at your own pace. And you do not do it at anybody else's pace. You do it at your pace. And when you feel comfortable and when you feel ready, 
and that's how you do it. Great, great final words from you there, Liz. Once again, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank it was you. a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And that's it for today's show here on Lockray Community Radio. I'll be back with you again for another episode of Mind the Head very soon. Thank you. Bye bye. Join us on Lockray's weekly business show covering various enterprising topics, business news, key trends, and expert opinion. The business show, Sundays, 9 a.m., right here on Lockray Community Radio. Mind the Head with Paul Flaherty, a weekly show that focuses on mental health and well-being. Sundays on Lockray Community Radio, brought to you by Dignity Funeral Care, funeral directors caring for your peace of mind. Hi, Cathy Dunn here, and I'd love if you would join me on my show Planet Vibes every Saturday at 2pm on Lockray Community Radio. If it's easy listening music you're after, or news of what's happening around our planet and community... Then listen along to Planet Fives with Kathy Dunn. Saturdays at 2 on Lock Grey Community Radio. Hello, Carmel Dempsey here. I'm delighted to be back on Lock Grey Community Radio with my Trad by the Lake show, Sundays at 1pm. I'm looking forward to bringing you the best of Irish trad and folk. And of course, we'll be delighted to play all your requests. So tune in to LockRayCommunityRadio.com every Sunday at 1pm. Hot Trad by the Lake, brought to you by Tom Doyle Motors, Galway Road, Lockray, serving the Galway motorist, both city and county, since 1985. For more music, giveaways, local updates, and general mayhem, join Dave and Paul on the afternoon show. Get a load of these guys. Saturdays from 12 on your favourite local station, Lockray Community Radio. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more. Hi, Martina Staunton here. Join me every Saturday morning on Lockray Community Radio from 10 till 12 for two hours where I will bring you nothing but the best of Irish and American country music on my show, Country Jukebox. Join me live on Saturdays from 10am. Country Jukebox with Martina Staunton. Brought to you by Cartron House, B&B, Cottages and Function Room. A perfect setting for small weddings, private parties, family reunions and occasions. Check cartronhouse.com for details. Hi, I'm Johnny Pollock. And I'm Jonas. Every Sunday we spend a bit of time trying to understand what the Bible is all about. We play some songs, we read some Bible together, and we have a bit of fun as we let the Bible do the talking. So if you want to join us, we are on Bible Talk every Sunday afternoon, and we'd love to have you along. Bible Talk every Sunday afternoon from 3 to 4 p.m. Each Sunday morning at 11 a.m., join Denise Christie on her show, A Vibrant Life where she'll share with you a diverse range of tips and tricks designed to show you how to live a happy, healthy and vibrant life. Sundays at 11am on Lockray Community Radio. Community Diary on Lockray Community Radio. If you have an announcement or local update that you'd like to include on the next Community Diary, then please contact us on lockraycommunityradio at gmail.com. Along on your Alexa device. Just say enable Lock Ray Community Radio. Lock Ray Community.